0: We open on a cacophony of sounds, the ringing of steel, the yelling of warriors and the screaming of the innocent, the flicker of flames, the moans of the injured. The world as you see it swirls in death and darkness and terror all around you. Faces you recognize and faces you do not lay on the ground. And a creature of shadow and fear falls. A final noise rings out. A deep, sonorous sound of a bell. Suddenly, the darkness, the creatures the Mothmen, all dissolve and disappear around you. And after a moment, those in the square, near one of the great bell towers of the red city of Agmar, look toward one another and to those that saved them, the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. And a stunned, cheer of victory begins to ring out suddenly there is a whirl of activity people rush toward one another towards friends and strangers and family welcome to reckless attack a fifth edition dungeons and dragons actual play podcast my dear players what do you do
1: So, Checkers. There's a lot going on for Checkers right now. And part of that involves Billiam flying Kaskrin up towards the top of the obelisk. Because that was the last thing that Checkers had told Billiam to do. (laughs) And Kaskrin is basically flying, basically being airlifted from the ground towards the top of the obelisk. After having done his last final heroic action against the Mothman and is just kind of like waiting to be let down.
2: Selv is uh, now at ground level and having just hoisted Barzog up into the air to I believe deliver the killing blow or one of the almost killing blows against the Mothman. Selv kind of looks around and sees Val on the ground unconscious. I kind of uh, run over to Val And as I'm running, I I reach back into a side pocket on my bag and I pull out a potion and I, I slide in next to her and I uncork the thing with my teeth and I just dump a healing potion into her mouth.
3: Val rushes awake. It's a magic potion that rips her from unconsciousness and she grabs the front of Selv's gi and is just in terror at what unconsciousness was like, the emptiness and vastness of it, because she has never dreamed, she has never experienced darkness in that sense before. And she is terrified in that moment. And you just see her frantically panting and in a panic that, she experienced that it takes her several minutes to calm down and it's still in all of those moments like grabbing on to self's robes and kind of almost like holding the front of him in a way that like makes him hug her because she needs that in this moment
0: easy you're fine
3: and she just (laughs) <laughs> okay then yeah.
0: For the For the listeners at home There was a A very robust Pantomime Of holding <laughs> a head And then being Yoinked yeah. Yes not really, The le- wolf le-
3: was a hug yeah. yes. yes
2: Yes That was the That was when the The hug happens Okay yeah. Okay You're good You're good
3: Yeah So Val's basically Making self hug her For several minutes
1: Catherine <laughs> <laughs> Finally gets let down at the top of the obelisk and he is just like everything hurts you Mm. know he's like i think i broke a few ribs (sighs) but we did it right we got him right checkers look at us go that was great and i think the checkers that you're seeing at the top of the obelisk (laughs) is perhaps a little bit different than maybe the checkers that you're used to because checkers has really been through a lot today actually (laughs) 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 you don't say you know between the just absolute adrenaline from being in the middle of all of these mothmen the sounds of people getting hurt and the sounds of battle to being on top of the obelisk and being connected to something that he does not understand but being granted its power for just that brief moment and having this voice reverberate in his head. We rise to defend the people. And then having the Mothman really just blast him with psychic energy and (laughs) just like (laughs) scramble all of his thoughts to just, it's all just kind of coming, crashing down on him right this moment as he realizes that Kaskrin is being lifted by Billiam and he's moving he's alive he survived being trampled by the large shadowy creature that the Mothman created and is rejoicing and Checkers just kind of turns to you and it's there's just a lot of emotion on his face right now I think and he just weakly goes yeah, yeah, Casper. we did it, didn't we? I don't know what we did, but we did it and Katrin, you know he's jubilant like he he's been we saved the city like this is a time to rejoice to be merry but when he sees that look on checkers, he softens.
0: Do you mind if I ask mm-hmm. what exactly is the look? What is it that Kaskarin sees? He's different, right? Checkers yeah. is different, and it's been a long day. Yeah. Maybe it's just yeah. he looks tired in a way that Checkers often yeah. does not look tired. But, like, what's the what's the image?
1: I think for the first time, Kaskarin may actually see Checkers be worried. He's trying very hard to hide it under, like, a veneer of, like, in a way he is putting on an act. Like, he's pretending to be to be checkers, basically, of to, to rejoice, to understand that like they did a good thing. But I think in the in the back of his mind he was really worried about Kaskrin for a moment, in a way and showed it maybe in a way that he wouldn't normally. In his mind, he was thinking that he more or less left Garnak to his own fate to try and help Kaskrin, also at the expense of potentially defeating the Mothman. You know, he saw how mm-hmm. close. The Mothman was to just ripping the, the bell tower from reality, and still chose to save Kaskrin instead. So it's just this. It's just it's just this look of worry is the best way I can describe. And it.
0: it's it, and it's not just worry; it is worry directed at Kaskrin It sounds like,
3: or at right. Checkers himself,
0: or yeah. yeah, or is it just of like, oh God, what did I do?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's, that's what makes it complicated. Is mm-hmm. it's both. Because it's worry about Kaskrin. It's worry about maybe what others might think about Checkers after what he's done in a way. Maybe no one else will notice that Kaskrin was airlifted by a small (laughs) frog and, you know, things will just go on. But in Checkers' mind, is like he really made a choice. And it was a choice made in desperation in some ways, made out of fear, out of emotion. But it was still something he did. So when Kaskrin looks at Checkers, it's not like he is just his old self saying, Yeah, yeah, great, we did it. It is a very different checkers. And Kaskrin knows, like, he's never seen Checkers like this before, with this like worried expression about something. There's a moment where he he's taken aback, like he doesn't know what's got him so worried, but his face, his expression softens and he says You know, when we first met all those months back in Lotros, I thought you were just up to no good, honestly. I mean, you basically were. You kept stealing all these things and I had to go out every time to go find out what was up. And every time I'd get there, there would be no evidence. It's just like someone came, stole something, and vanished. And then one day I hear this (laughs) this this (laughs) chuckle from the rafters and I look up and there's just this blue frog staring at me and over time like I've seen you go from a thief, a vagabond to an adventurer to a protector today you saved people's lives today checkers you saved my life. Whatever's got you worried, know that we did a good thing today. Know that you did a good thing for me, and I I respect that. I, I respect you, and I'm proud of you. You know, I, I see you putting in this work. I see you trying to be the best, and running for it, grasping for it with everything that you have. And yeah, that means a lot to me. And as Checkers is hearing these words, I think that he would probably try to maybe cover things up a little bit, get his composure back and just, well, don't expect it again, Cast. <laughs> you know, it's a... Hmm.
0: What would Checkers say? I appreciate how quickly Checkers didn't believe what he was saying. Yeah, you know, right. Like, he ran out of his own lying steam in that moment. I was uh, like, well, yeah, I'm not gonna do it again. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> you know, Cass, I guess I'm glad that I came here with you. I certainly couldn't let you have all this fun by yourself, right? And I think Checkers, for the most part, just kind of looks at Kaskrin and just kind of looks around at what has happened tonight. And he pulls out the small urn that he was planning on throwing into the obelisk. And he kind of like just chucks it off of the obelisk into the fire. Kaskrin seeing you take the urn Kind of weakly reaches into a pouch that he has, and is surprised that it didn't break. Like he he pulls <laughs> yeah, out the urn like pulling yeah, pulling out yeah, and he's like Charged it's dust. yeah, it's a little it's a little dusty, it's a little worse for wear. But he takes an urn out too, and he like tilts his head towards you and kind of holds it out, and says, "Can you throw this one into the flames for me too?" And checkers will grab the urn from Kaskrin and actually kind of look over to where he threw his urn and look down. And I'm thinking that the urn kind of shattered on, like, the upper part of the bonfire.
0: Yeah, kind of from above, it really strikes you that that there are flames, but it's not... It's not behaving in the way you would expect flames to. They're not illusory, but also they're not putting off any heat. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be consuming any of the wood, but it seems to be normal flame that turns to green modes. It's Mm -hmm. very, very strange is my point and can easily have something atop it, shall we say.
1: And he looks over and just kind of sees where his urn shattered. And rather than seeing kind of the ashes of something like he might have been expecting mm-hmm. instead of seeing the green motes fly up into the air. He actually sees his necklace, the necklace that he put into the urn caught on one of the pieces of wood at the top of the bonfire. And it's not burning at all. Like he looks at it for a good 10, 15 seconds and it is entirely unchanged. He looks at Kaskrin with almost this, like, panicked look, I would say. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. Checkers, <laughs> what's wrong? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, throws the urn back at you and calls out, come on, Billiam, we got work to do. And he grabs onto Billiam's tongue because checkers and billium are actually going to go into the fire at the top of the the large bonfire where his necklace is and he's actually going to go try to retrieve it castrin looks at you he he has he holds his own urn in his hands and he sees you grabbing onto <laughs> billium and basically just like repelling down the side of the obelisk leaving him alone he takes, you know, the urn that you've you've given back to him and tosses it over the edge himself. I'm trying to think of, like, what's going through his head right now. It's just, like, a jumble of, like, something's going on with, with checkers and, like, everything's finally over, we've won, we've saved the day. But, like, none of it comes out in words, and instead he just, like lies back as a green moat kind of flits up next to him and disappears in the sky and with that like tears just start running down his eyes and
0: onto the obelisk and checkers is retrieving his necklace what does he do once he gets it it is cool to the touch I think he would be at the bottom of the obelisk at that point,
1: looking at this thing, trying to understand why nothing happened to it. This is, a theoretically, a large magical fire. If anything was going to mm-hmm. destroy it, it would have been this. So he's just looking at it, and he's been thinking about this necklace basically for hours at this point, thinking about what it was going to be like to finally be free from it, basically. And he puts it back on, but it's like he's putting a chain around his own neck.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Taeir." Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed Goblin Gunslinger. hello everyone GM Nathan here and welcome once more to the midroll this is where I remind you to follow us on all the social medias particularly on Twitter at reckless underscore attack where we are posting a variety of frogs and memes and frog memes and meme frogs. you can find all our socials by visiting our website at recklessattack.com and much more. If you like us consider supporting us on patreon. It's one of the best ways to help us grow and improve the show. Early ad-free episodes, level up talkbacks, and oodles of other stuff await you there at a variety of tiers. Lastly, don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, or let us know by leaving a rating or a view on your podcatcher of choice. That's all from me. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
3: As Val's breathing starts to slow and become more regular, she'll mind link to Selv simply saying thank you and release her undeath grip from, <laughs> from his robes and... I didn't do anything back. you didn't already do for me. Still, I appreciate it. I think she'll sit back and look out onto what she missed, what has happened. And with the perspective of not being solely focused on the main Mothman, see what was happening in the periphery. Her mind kind of starts to go into like triage mode. It's slowly working towards there. She's still... But that's like kind of where her mind starts to go to. And because she's mind linked with Selv, he's not getting direct thoughts of that, but he's kind of he's got an insight into where her mind is going.
2: And
0: all around you guys, first and foremost, you see the group of Verdant Wave members of Town Guard members of Red Guard members of all sorts of people who were coming to your aid and assisting you in that last final volley against the Mothman Mothman Prime um, <laughs> are all have all moved around you some of them are checking on you guys a few of them are looking at the bell tower to ensure nothing is happening they are trying to move people away and The Red Guard are already starting to keep clearing people out of the area, just in case. But Val, you still see there are mortal forms laying still on the ground. But there are far more who are limping off, who are standing around in awe, and most importantly, who are reaching down extending an arm, extending a hand, a shoulder to one another. It doesn't take a lot of insight, even though you have plenty mechanically, Mm -hmm. to see that there were still a lot of destruction here tonight and a lot of pain and a lot of terror. But it is much better for having you guys and having the Red Guard, and everyone involved as they were. There is already motion as people are barking out orders, are calling out for help. It has shifted remarkably quickly from a battlefield to, like you said, a triage and a crisis management situation.
3: As Val sees just regular mortals helping each other out she feels heartened she feels just that much better about what's happened tonight and she'll slowly using cells help start to stand
2: and uh yeah i'll uh i'll help val get to her feet and then i'm gonna kind of try to catch the eye of kavos and uh barzog and then i will uh once i catch their eye i will Give them a not a bow of greeting, but a more formal bow. Sel will take his arms and kind of cross them parallel to the ground in front of him, and then lean forward and actually give a a kind quite of a deep bow grasping his own forearms Yes, basically. yeah grasping his own forearms
0: and then lean forward and give kind of a, a deep bow to both of them. So you see Barzug and Kavos, the two members of the verdant wave, Barzug, the dwarf. You can see she is kind of helping Kavos up just because while he was not unconscious, he was was close. He was extremely (laughs) close. And you see her kind of helping him up, and he is limp, exhausted. He is battered and is accepting the help and catches your eye as you are kind of trying to catch his and theirs. Before you even start your bow, he kind of pushes. Barzug off of him and she kind of rolls rolls her eyes at him a little (laughs) bit and Kavos the red dragonborn faces you and places his fist on his chest as you've seen him do before the two of you unspeakingly bow in as far as anyone can tell perfect unison and slowly Get back up. And Kavos then tries very, very hard not to look injured uh, (laughs) as he walks away to essentially meet the rest of his guild, including Yannis Varga, who was one of the members of the kind of cavalry who were coming to help you guys. You guys hear the voice, uh, all of you, but obviously loudest of all to Selv and Val. You hear the voice of Vina Calvetta, the head of the Red Guard, who runs up to you two. Is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? Are you all right?
3: Val, at Vina's words, actually starts looking around for Cass and Checkers because she's realizing she hasn't seen them and seen if they're okay. So she'll slowly, but then start frantically looking for her
0: friends. You see, Cass is just alone at the top. <laughs>
3: no, so I, I imagine at
1: some point, like this has taken a while. Checkers has gotten his necklace. grin has kind of just like relaxed is not the right word, but he is like
2: spent, like he's done. There's no more tears. He's just like resting. He has come to the realization he will not be getting down off the obelisk. <laughs> yeah, and has now taken up residence at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I built a small house up here. It's quite delightful. There's balloons. <laughs> Uh,
1: and at some point, you know, Checkers and Kaskrin would, would make their way back down. Yeah. Probably, you know, not really a word shared between the two of them. As Vina comes up, Kaskrin and, and Checkers are there as well.
3: Val will run up and give you both a hug. Just like arm around each of your necks. Checkers, eh. you can't get out of it. Eh. <laughs> She's like, too quick.
1: Just like claws at the arm, Just like, Val, yeah. Val, it's fine, we're safe. And Kaskrin like stiffens up in pain. It's like <laughs> ah, not so hard, Val. <laughs> My ribs.
3: She doesn't listen for like five seconds. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. so. laughs> yeah. it's good to see you too. And like with you know what Kaskrin is able to do, he moves towards Selv as well and kind of gives you that like forearm to forearm handshake. Oh sure. You know of like yeah, so, Selv will happily return that. Yeah, and and gives like a meaningful nod to Valeska. And
3: just, you've already been hugged, it's right? Like, yeah, <laughs> and yeah
1: afterwards, and it's like. Good job, Buzz. And I think also, too, at some point, Mango would have returned with Garnak. Because Mango was out there trying to
0: help Garnak from being... Garnak the Minotaur, who is pulled into a dark alleyway. Yeah, right, right.
1: And people just kind of like slowly start to form Mm -hmm. around the golden tree. People that we've met before, people that we've saved somehow. Yeah, we still see... People who were here, like Fogren, the dwarf. Alareth is there, kind of hanging around by one of the trees. You know, Veena's next to us. Maybe we even see some members of the, the Bones who were called in. The Fortunate, off in the distance, as we're, you know, almost just like being encircled by the people of the city, the people that we've saved, and the people who've met and saved us in return.
3: We'll go over to Vina and I guess report that we are we're all here
0: present and accounted for. Does anyone have anything else that they want to do as part of this sequence?
3: I was to say Val will specifically, not throw her urn in. She will like unseal it and take out the parchment she put in there, scribble out what she wrote. And quickly rewrite something down, and then throw the the new urn or edited version yes, yeah back same
0: in there. Ur- same urn di- sort of uh, different same parchment t- uh, we you get it version two, yes,
2: so I will also kind of make my way to the um towards the pyre, maybe stop about you know five six feet from it, take out the urn, and it's actually. Not completely broken, but there are several cracks yep. into it. <laughs> and he actually pulls out a small, like, triangular-shaped piece that has clearly broken from the rest of it, but it's still set in there. Kind of takes that out, looks in, still sees the, his little bit of parchment in there, uh, replaces that small triangular mm-hmm. ceramic piece, and then takes it and tosses it into the pyre by the obelisk. And then, you know, watches it break, watches that little green mode. Yep, It form, goes up almost immediately. And, and just watches it kind of drift all the, way, all the way up until he can't see it any, anymore. And then just says, may my oath be heard. And then turns and walks back to the group. Yeah.
3: Nice. Actually, I'm going to change my answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Val's urn was broken as she fell unconscious. And she will not find the parchment that was in it. So she will not throw uh, anything into the obelisk, okay. into the pyre.
1: Selv, as you're turning back, having thrown your urn into the pyre, casgrin is like kind of sitting on a sidewalk curb, resting, but he looks at you, and I imagine you approach, and casgrin Just kind of asks, like, it's a difficult thing, giving something up to the obelisk. Indeed. I gave up my fear of change. And I hope that the obelisk takes it, you know? It took me months to work up the courage to finally join the golden tree. And even then I had to be prodded. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being afraid of what's to come. I'd rather charge forward with everyone else around me. And it's like, you know, saying that to himself, but also saying that to you as like a way to, con- you know, something he's confiding in you. That's what he did.
2: Selv will kind of put his hand on your on your shoulder and just say, we are more similar than I thought. And he just kind of like, Pats your shoulder and starts heading back to the group. Mmm.
3: Selve has secrets too.
2: Catherine <laughs> <laughs>
1: has
0: no secrets.
3: <laughs> you have two very high insight people. You can't yeah, have secrets from right. us.
0: Uh, David, can I ask? Why do you think Cass seeing that Selve threw something in the fire? Why do you think that he decided to share that with Selve? To share what he was giving up, what he was tired of, what the way the direction that he wanted to grow. Was it just right place, right time with someone that he trusted? Was it something about self? Was it just kind of musing out loud that happened to be at self? I think it's self
1: and Caskrine have fought together
0: mm-hmm.
1: for months now in training and now in fighting the Mothman and to Kaskrin, like, that's the truest way to know someone is when you're in the thick of it, you're fighting for your lives, and you've got a comrade next to you that you can share mm-hmm. the experience with. You know, that's the truest way to get to know someone. And so he is starting to already feel that connection with self. And then part of it is also by telling someone, it makes it more real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He can write his fears, write his desires on a piece of paper, and cast them into the fire all he wants. But for real change, he has to acknowledge it. He has to work for it. And the best way to do that is by telling someone.
0: So, activity continues around the bell tower and far beyond it. You are... Relatively quickly told to get the hell back to bed that <laughs> you guys have done enough here tonight. I'm sure she that...
3: will not go until she expends all of her spells yep. and every charge <laughs> of her healer kit, yeah, I assumed that,
0: that wasn't necessarily going to happen the first <laughs> go round for all of you, but again, at least after a little while, I imagine that Vina Calvetta herself comes up to you guys. And quietly, respectfully orders you to get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) But does so with respect, with saying, hey, like, you guys did your jobs. We can take it from here. The city will be here when you wake up. The four of you head back to your guild hall. It is a decent walk. You have to go down one of the main roads in the city where not but a few hours ago there was activity there was joy there was all kinds of things and you know that technically it probably should be going now but well Mothman attacks have a way of dampening the mood so you see empty stalls you see the aftermath of a day of celebration and joy it was cut short, but it was a day of, of joy nonetheless. You walk through the city. There are still people out in it, but no one pays you too much mind at this point, and you're able to just walk together until you get back to your door. I imagine one of you guys swings open your front door, and behind the reception desk you see Berga staring wide-eyed at you guys. Taroth perched somewhere behind Mm -hmm. her, just his face up against the wall for no apparent reason, (laughs) and atop the desk, an asleep Hody and very colorful chicken resting (laughs) on Hody, who are both deep asleep. But as soon as you guys walk through the door, an explosion of joy and welcoming And happiness greets you. A lot of yaws, a lot of hugs, a lot of pats. A lot of asking respectfully, making sure everyone is okay, and welcoming you home, plying you with food and drinks and tales and whatever it is that you need are all waiting for you back inside of your guild hall. I imagine also maybe you all go straight to bed. Maybe you all stay up a little bit longer. And you just exist with one another for a little while. Until eventually, either one by one or all at once, you all eventually go to bed. Wherever your bed may be for the evening. On top of a giant Skywheel plushie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She
3: pulls, is the plushie bed-sized? Yeah, for Val, it is, Val it is.
0: <laughs> especially curled up. Yeah. yeah, no, and and it is there. It is in your room. The Skywell plushie has made its journey. Any amount of inspection that I presume you do to it, it passes muster. It seems like everything is fine. Dot dot dot.
3: Val <laughs> will trust it because she's too tired. Yeah.
1: Caspren's mm-hmm. bed has never looked
0: so comfortable
1: as it has. <laughs> right now. does
0: uh, you, Do you get all the way back into your comfy satin PJs or do you flop? Oh no, he gets back into a satin PJ. I assume. Like, That's part of the experience. Yeah.
3: I love that Casgren has the 45 minute 15 step skincare routine but <laughs> yes. like it's like a PJ routine. Yes,
0: exactly. You gotta put the left shoe on, the right shoe on, <laughs> in that order. Um, and maybe you even stop by the hot springs to at least wash up what, whatever it is that your nightly routine entails after a day of horror and also of being covered with flour and of hide-and-go-seek. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Captain. <Scouch. of> <laughs> the next morning you all awake. The sun is up. It is a bright late summer day in the red city of Agmar. And outside of all of your windows, you can already hear some of the thrum of activity. Just save the city. They can't let us sleep in. (laughs) (laughs) No one one wakes you up. We'll put it that way. But more that the city is already churning back to life. If you'll pardon the bit of a montage further, eventually you find yourselves all back downstairs together once more. Maybe you're eating breakfast. Maybe you're talking. Maybe you are all staring blankly (laughs) at a wall. (laughs) Whatever group activity you need. It's like the end of Avengers where they're eating shawarma. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I,
3: I do imagine Val has somehow subconsciously set the rule that we all eat together. Mm-hmm. I
0: yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, at the center of this table is a giant pile of both pastries and ales from torts and ports yeah. that has been already pre delivered in the morning. <laughs> Lovely. With a cutesy little note that just says thanks.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Kaskarin is
1: moving a lot slower than usual, yeah. <laughs> but he comes down to
0: breakfast like full on, like
1: baby blue satin PJs. He's got the hat, he's got the slippers, he's like shuffling along amazing. And he Sits down. I'm, I'm just imagining like checkers for some reason is just like holding Colaprico just like above his head and just like running around like a <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like from a Zelda game yeah. where you're yeah. trying to jump far distances, right? Exactly, yeah. and like maybe Val just sees him and is just like. It's gonna be one of those days, huh? <laughs> I'm imagining
3: Colaprico's having the time of their life actually and right. he's just like squawking like like doing like random chicken because he's not a rooster. They are, she's a chicken. Yeah. So I don't know what just chicken squawking. noises just are. Balking. Yeah. yeah, balking. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Whatever. They're having a great time. It's
3: like a balk of joy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. She's a very evocative, talkative <laughs> chicken. Mm-hmm. And as you guys are digging into the pastries and kind of just starting your day, whatever this day might be, you guys hear a knock at the door. And Berga excuses herself and wheels herself kind of around the corner. We know that's not Alareth. (laughs) (laughs) You hear a little bit of conversation kind of just out of earshot where you can hear it, but you can't quite pick out the words being said. And Berga comes back into the room, and she says, uh, yeah, uh, could I, uh, actually, could, I think, um, the could the four of you just come here for just one moment? There's something that I think you should, should see.
3: Val gets up like, Do no, where? Do I to get my staff?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 nothing, nothing like that. Just, just, just follow. And she just, like, turns, wheels herself around and... I- just, Catherine like, just like, you guys to follow.
1: Sat down and is like, <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: slowly just like
1: creeps back up.
3: Val like brings whatever pastry she was eating with her. And I would also just like it known that Jonathan mime tucking cauliflower. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that. I was just like, it's, yeah, Chico just like tucks the chicken underneath his arm, like hops on mango. Like, oh, Perfectly okay. behaved. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: feel like though this chicken was gifted to Val it might, it might end up being checkers chicken
0: and this is perfect again you guys are all like in pajamas <laughs> actively holding chickens or half-eaten pastries and like rubbing sleep from your eyes and Berga with a smile that is a combination of glee and a little bit of a shit-eating grin hmm. flings your guys's front door open And the four of you see a line of people outside of your door. 10, 15 people that are all standing in line. And as soon as the door opens and shows the four of you in your light state of undress, (laughs) they all turn and see you and let out a cheer. And Berga looks at you guys and says... Well, I I think we will have some jobs ahead of us. Yeah? Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that is where we will end this arc and this session. We will see you next time, everyone.
1: Woo! Yeah! Yeah! (laughs)